really, really hard, and they execute the system, and that's what it's all about. Yes, there sir. Trust. Big, big trust. Big, big trust. trust. Big trust. Hey, yes, sir. <laughs> right on cue. Hey, right on cue. Hey, I, let me. Jumbo set is back. It is Tuesday, October 17th, as I'm recording this. Wednesday, my dudes, October 18th. As you hear it, my name is Jake Luke. I'm joined by Spencer Nathaniel Schultz. How's it going, sir? The the sad the sad of summer being gone. Like I think would you say summer's done as a summer's late guy? Yeah, I'd say my sweet summer is gone. I uh, you know, it, it definitely does run later than, you know, we were accustomed to, but we can firmly say that we're out of it by now. It's pretty much in the 50s, low 60s every day. Weather's kind of getting crappier. Sun's starting to, you know, it's getting a little lower on us. Uh, I think daylight savings might be gone though, so that's going to throw maybe an interesting wrench into this fall, but yeah, no, I think it uh, Is it gone? Is that is it this year? I don't know if it's this year or next, but it's that's coming up. Is daylight savings gone? It will end on November fifth, twenty twenty three. Okay. So is that two states don't is there? I don't know. I'm I'm seeing mix. I'm seeing mixed results. Daylight savings time permanent starting in twenty twenty three. So I think we're getting our last switch. I might be mistaken on that. I th- no, no, I don't think so. I'm getting I'm getting heavy confirmation. No, incorrect. The days are going to be longer, so we're ne- we're actually not going back. So I think it's in effect now as he's getting some word from, uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, he has a, uh, a producer in his ear, uh, giving him, you know, they're ending it for good. Congress, Congress is ending it. Did okay. she not, did right. she not know about this? I don't know. I don't know. The Senate passed it, but the, house didn't. the house didn't pass it. She said, okay, so we okay. still have it then. Whatever. I'm sad. How am I doing Jake? I'm sad. I haven't been outside. I'm pale. I drank too much. My face is puffy. I haven't gotten to work out. I've been busy. I'm sad, but I'm excited. I'm excited for the Ravens to host the Lions. I'm excited for the Ravens to have not embarrassed themselves in London. And I think I think I'm excited about where this team is going as well. How how are you feeling? Yeah, no, I'm good. I I had a long weekend as well, uh, as people listen to the Sunday recap probably know. Uh, and yeah, no, it was it was a rough rough couple days there but that first day you mentioned uh you know getting a little physical activity in that first one where you feel like you can finally do it which i got that in today that's that's kind of what it signals that if you're not all the way back then you're very close to being all the way back so we're almost all the way back uh you know fall is just golly there's just too much going on you know we've got this going on we've got the Following the team every single week, we had the Orioles taking a deep run. There was just a, just a lot of emotional investment. So yeah, it's 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 a lot sometimes. It's hard being a podcaster. That's hardest really, job in the world. It, yeah, it's tough. And you know, we we do it admirably and we do it our best. And dealing with tech issues tonight, you know, not for nothing. Streamyard decided to crap out on us. So uh, recording this on Zoom, if the video looks a little bit different to you on YouTube, that's why. So uh, we're just we're really trying to make two here, but you know. I don't know. We got Halloween coming up, and that's one of my favorite holidays. So I've got that to look forward to at least. Very true. Halloween is great. I do love the the chitlins running around in the neighborhood, the youths getting their candy. I, I pumped on my JBL clip and was playing spooky, spooky songs, Michael Jackson and stuff, which, I mean, I guess sounds bad talking about children. But 
I had Thriller on. I had all the all the hits on, all the Goblin Ghoul songs on, and was just handing out. Candy. I think and he that, might be an all time art art from artist guy, MJ. Yes, yes, yes. Have to, have to, for sure. So good point there. You know, holiday season, all that stuff. Ski season coming quickly as it is Tuesday or Wednesday, October eighteenth. As you're listening. But yeah, the and I think we're tired too because it was a 9:30 game. Like that makes you tired as a football fan. London game makes you tired. I passed out on the couch. I posted it on Twitter. I was sleeping at 6:30. I usually don't do that. I usually am recording at like seven. So it was a, a weird weekend. Weddings, wedding season going on, all that kind of stuff. But um, I guess it's it's also now an interesting point in the season. Like I feel like now we've seen enough of the Ravens to like kind of get where they are as a team. I feel like I I feel confident in my analysis of them like it feels like i don't have to tread as lightly like i'm I'm seeing what they are i don't think they're done yet but and we'll get into it but i, I see i see them for who they are i think yeah no i agree at a certain point you kind of just are who you are i don't think it's totally fair to judge teams even really a month in but we're about you know six weeks almost two months in here uh i think we kind of do firmly have an idea on who they are but i don't know i think thankfully some of these issues that we're seeing are still fixable um, and it kind of, you know, really when we have this discussion, I, and maybe this is just the older I get, but the more I kind of identify with Parcells with, uh, you kind of start what your record says you are. And I think, uh, the Ravens, uh, thus far have been a good, not great team, but thankfully for them, not very many great teams this year. So I agree. And I think I'm going to hit on reverse of what I wanted to hit, hit on. I didn't think I would ever be saying this on any podcast that I ever do, but Jason Whitlock. Hit shout the nail on the to, head. Shout out to Fedoras. Shout out to Fedoras. I think he hit the nail on the head. I don't have it in front of me. I have too many tabs open, but he was just saying we're seeing a sloppy product and it's a result of football being a practice sport, which I've talked about many times. You spend 99.9% of the time with your cleats on, on in practice in football. Like you spend a couple hours a week in a game, you spend a couple thousand hours a year in practice. Not a game sport, it's a practice sport. They have limited the amount of practice time. They have instated so many rules. The officiating is in many shades of gray right now with the injury concerns that they're having. I've gotten into my Taylor Swift conspiracy theories with you and Cole, all of that kind of stuff. I just think we're seeing a lot of teams that don't have enough reps still. The preseason was shorter. The preseason was week one, week two, it feels like, when you're not playing starters at all. I think the Ravens fit that to a T. So for you to say the Bill Parcells quote, you feel good about the Ravens being four and two. And we expected a sloppy start. We didn't expect it to be a, a five and one running through divisional games, all that kind of stuff. We thought it would be somewhere in this department as they reach this portion of the season. And it's sloppy. And I think it's le- it's league wide parody is at an all time high. There is no great team. i I feel like the 49ers were probably the closest thing we had to a great team on both sides of the football, and they lost to a street-free agent that was signed at quarterback earlier this week and really just d- didn't get it done. And you can be- then, and people, well, they missed a kick. Well, they- Yeah, it had to come down to a field goal on the road outdoors with a rookie kicker, not where the 49ers wanted to be against the Browns team that was starting you know, a borderline third-string quarterback, the Jets whooped on the Eagles a little bit, out physical, out muscled, out did them handle business. So we got PJ Walker and Zach Wilson beating up on, you know, two of the probably three best teams in the NFL. 
Yeah, it's lack of practice to your point. And it's also like there's a weird dynamic with that. And then the fact that these guys are more fine tuned and more like freakishly athletic than they've ever been. And they just don't have an outlet for it in practice. So they just fly around in these games and their muscles are just like at a crazy point where they're like there's no protection on their ligaments or anything. So they're just like getting absolutely worked in that department. That's why there's more injuries if I had to wager at least a big part of it. And yeah, it uh, it is reflected in the product. We talked a little bit uh, about some of these primetime games with Jack Settleman, which stay tuned in for Settle Up with Settleman. Uh, unders have been hitting big time. The quality of play has been sloppier. That Chargers-Cowboys game, I didn't stay up for the full thing, but uh, great start. And then it just devolved into a comedy of errors. And, you know, it Fifth, there was like 15 missed throws from Dak and Justin Herbert in the fourth quarter. 15 might be an exaggeration, but it was like at least seven. Yeah. So the, the sport is never, it's faster and more intense than it's ever been by a wide margin. And these guys are getting not nearly the amount of reps they need to be able to, you know, handle that, I think. So it's, uh, it's an interesting dynamic. And I also think with all of that in mind too, Cody Alexander, follow him on Twitter if you want to learn more about football. I've bought four of his books. It's really just pamphlets and handhelds on how to dissect, break down football, offense, defense, play calling, terminology, all those things. They're like 20 bucks a pop on Amazon. So good. You can take notes in them. Highly recommend. And he said something that really blew my mind in a positive way. He He's a quarters guy. He loves match quarters. He it, It's his forte, the art of X, Cody Alexander. Check him out. He said, we are in the post-spread era, and that really resonated with me. He said, this is what always happens. Football is cyclical, and offensive, offense makes the adjustment first. Offense makes the innovation. Defense makes the adjustment. We're seeing the too high world. We're seeing corners not matter quite as much as they did 10 years ago in the, the cover three Seattle Legion of Boom years. And I think there's also a large disparity in offensive line talent, the pool of talent versus defensive line and outside linebacker. I think that the seven-on-sevenification of football, kids don't want to play football as much. This is an overgeneralization, but kids don't want to play football as much without getting a sack, without getting catching a touchdown, without the instant gratification. The we, not me, is continuing to evolve. I think society pushes us that way always forward over the course of history anyway. But I think you can see it in football. I think offensive line play needs more reps, more time, more practice time, more than anything else other than maybe receivers and quarterbacks. And I just don't think the quality of plays there. And then quarterback play, when there's more coverage defenders, you can't throw deep. There's less explosive ability. Defenses have adjusted. I smell a rule change coming. And I don't know what it's going to be, but I smell something cooking that is going to open things back up for offenses. Roger Goodell extended today through 2027. So my tenure as NFL commissioner won't start for several more years, unfortunately. But I smell a rule change. I smell it in the air. And I know it's crazy season because I'm fully agreeing with Jason Whitlock. I don't think he's the first to say it, but he's the one that made me think of it today for this episode. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's interesting. You got to continue to evolve your product. And I think, you know, the NFL is obviously still king, and it's probably going to be for a very long time. But, yeah, man, the quality of play is clearly down, and it's reflected in these primetime games and these matchups to begin with are really not good a lot of the time. And, you know, it, I think maybe a little bit of a shakeup is going to be due. I don't think we're quite in Mark Cuban, pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered territory, but it's very commercial. It's very, uh, you know, it feels like things are kind of being wrung out from the seams 
uh, you know, and as far as getting a little sterile, yeah, sterile cash grab kind of thing. It's, it, it's reflected honestly, like, and I love the Ravens and I, great people in their media department. It's kind of reflected in how generic some of the things have become. There's just a lack of personality, uh, with a lot of this, uh, you know, content side and, uh, really everything. It feels very corporatized and very national. It doesn't, it doesn't feel as homey as it used to. And, um, I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe I'm just kind of getting a little bit older and being a cranky get off my lawn guy. But it, it just certainly feels that way. And look at what happened with baseball. They for, they were very much in the wilderness there for a while. They made some changes down at the uh, minor league level. The NFL probably can't really do that unless this new AAF XFL thing. You can test some stuff out in there, but there's not going to be an affiliation. So who knows? Um, Something weird's going on with NIL and college football. Uh, I think in 15 years there will be a different a different amateur level and that's what college athletes are they're amateurs yeah i mean basically just i I don't know find a way to affiliate teams with schools but have them be like a separate entity i don't know that could be a thing i I feel like the college the four-year traditional education is dying a little bit too and when you look at other countries you know in europe like how i don't know if you watch a reality show from the uk it's like half the guys on there play pro rugby or pro soccer and it like always blows my mind i'm like wait well the soccer they don't have have college sports they just have smaller pro teams they have uh well yeah the pro teams all have like academies so they just bring kids up from like literally their teenage years uh up to become pros so that's how that works over there so yeah could be something like that but yeah i I don't know i don't know if it's gonna be that or what but and hey maybe we're grossly reacting maybe this happens every september october Football is a sport where you kind of have to trim fat from your play calling and figure out who you are. We the, the Bill Parcells quote is a great, great segue as well. You are what your record says you are. And I think the Ravens, to tie it back, are like the number one example of this. They have had so many injuries, like you mentioned, so they went even more careful, even less in practice, and they're having to work shit out in games. And I think that's what we're seeing offensively. Defensively, they're chilling. Amazing. But I think we're seeing that in the Ravens offense reflected very much so exactly what's happening throughout the sport. Yeah, definitely. And I guess that's a good segue to get into it. I mean, we can talk a little bit about uh, this past week's matchup against the, uh, I think I think we might've lost your camera here. Uh, I don't know if you're still there. Yeah, you're still there. Uh, awesome. So yeah, I mean, we talked a little bit about it um, with the Titans game, uh, obviously on Sunday night show, we can get more into it. Uh, just general, you know, open the notebook thoughts on, uh, on that Titans game after a rewatch. I have, I have a lot. I mean, I think when you look back on this offense, I think it was what the offense has been personified in a game. They're slowly but surely still transi- transitioning into being the Lamar Jackson show. Pre-snap, and, and Lamar Jackson's ramping up how much, how many checks are you making, communication, time at the line, going into that Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, 11 personnel, maybe a 12, but it's spread getting to the line quickly, not even a ton of motion, almost like Peyton Manning liked. Peyton Manning like always says, I hate motion, I like to line up. Like, let's line up. Let me talk, I'll figure it out. I can use hard count as motion, things like that, uh, which we saw Lamar do. So we saw things like the opening drive. We saw him check into a screen to Nelson Aguilar. We saw him later check into a quick slant to replace a blitz to Odell Beckham explosive play, which looked really nice. So I think we're seeing the Lamar Jackson show And it just makes me think of the other side of the football as I'm watching it. And back to that Roquan Smith, Ray Lewis film sesh thing that went viral about communication. I guess it didn't go viral. It was just posted by the NFL, but it went viral in our circles. Sure. Yeah. It was great content. It was a big, big piece of content. And I think it's just going to have to keep pumping up. Like you got to keep pumping up. It's more communication, more talking. The one person I see on the field always talking is Nelson Aguilar. Yeah. 
always talking, talking to Zay Flowers, talking to a tight end. He's the one relaying the call. I like him being on the football field because of that. Very much so. Who is also usually in tune with the timing of the play in the past game? Who's open over the middle of the field? You know, it's not like he's housing, you know, 60 yards. Nelson Aguilar, I would say he's, he's, Flowers been their, game. he's been their most consistent receiver. I think Flowers has been the more explosive player, but it, it, you mentioned it like the chain mover. Most right? efficient, like yeah. most efficient. When you need a 12 yard gain, like he's he's the guy out of the receiving core, not named Mark Andrews. 100%. And I think that when you look at Andrews and Flowers, Andrews did miss a little time, but he's the the most veteran. You know, he's he's been with Lamar Jackson a long time. They they know how to see things the same way. They see the same colors and smell the same shapes. And those three guys are kind of what the offense is, I think. And then there's Bateman and Beckham who are in and out and in and out and hurt and hurt and in and out and in and out. And things are a little less efficient there. Things are a little weirder there. Um, I, I think that the offensive line was better. I... It just is like they're still not there timing wise. And it's and Cole talked about it and he's like, I just can't Cole kind of like asked. He was like, I, I just can't put my finger on it. Something's off. Something's weird. And it's just all timing. Like it's like when things are off to me, it looks like they line up in some of those just traditional 11 or spread looks two by two, three by one. It's really more two by two to me. When there's not play action, they don't use motion. And it's like Lamar's getting to the top of his drop, which is where you like the ball to come out or a hitch and then the ball to come out. And wherever he's reading, which it can be the right place or the wrong place, but like the receiver that he chose to read or the defender he chose to read, like the receiver's not ball ready. So then he goes to his next. And in this Titans game, we saw like they didn't fumble the football. Lamar did not come close to fumbling the football. And at first watch, I was like, man, he is giving up on the pocket so quick sometimes, but he was dropping his shoulder and putting, what I realized he was doing is dropping his shoulder, putting a second hand on the football. They're conscientious of the fumbles. The fumbles were bad, like bad, 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 like could have realistically lost more games, been bad. The Texans, they recovered one, you know, could have lost maybe if Deshaun Watson plays instead, it's a different game. You know, it was bad. It was out of control. So I think it was a little bit of that. And it's like getting comfortable with protection. It's just like there's so many things that are just off. And it's like a timing offense. And the practice thing we just talked about as we segued in, it's like they're getting reps live. It's not there yet still. I think with Aguilar it is and Andrews to it a degree and Flowers kind of, but it's like not Bateman and Beckham. And the I think Gus, Edward look, Gus Edwards looked good out of the backfield in this one. Had a huge gain on third and five in the Titans territory where – he didn't. It, the, he stayed in for protection, and as soon as there, the Titans dropped off into seven man coverage, he just took off upfield. Lamar Jackson basically no looked him the ball. Like as as he was turning his head, he flipped it to him. Edwards went and got like fifteen yards. So just little things like that. Like knowing it just comes down to they don't fucking know where each other are still. Like they don't know when the window is, where the window is, when Lamar should be throw ready. Like how slow should Lamar's drop back be? to pace and that's a big talking point for Justin Fields. A lot of it is out of shotgun though. And when they went under center, when it's play action under center, that forces timing and it does draw up those linebackers. So there's bigger windows, longer amount of time, you know, more steps in the drop back, five steps, seven step, so that there's more time for the receiver to be ball ready when Lamar Jackson is throw ready. So those are the things that 
are missing still that I think is the difference. And that's the difference. But and it's not, I was gonna say it's a difference between Todd Munkin and Greg Roman's offense. It's just that Munkin is making them do it. Like they have to do it to win, to be a Super Bowl team. You have to be able to throw with timing. And we see it in bits and pieces. There's some plays to Andrews and Aglor and, and those things. It's just still working. And the thing I want to see, what what I talked about last week was like we Jake, we were like, oh, well, can't you just fucking bring Mark Andrews into block if you think you're gonna get like hit real quick? And he did. And they ran a lot of two-man routes and three-man routes. And the protection was a little better. John Simpson got his ass whooped bad all game. It was a little better. The next iteration, a week or two from now, is like, all right, you have answers pre-snap for pressure. But what about when there's not pressure? Why don't you communicate, hey, pre-snap, motion, signal, look, nod, wink. How am I going to hit this guy over top? Where's the hole going to be? Can I generate an explosive play by making a pre-snap adjustment? That is what I think Munkin is shooting for, that it's just the Lamar Jackson show. And they're not there yet. I see growth, much growth from Greg Roman's offense. That's the difference. More communication, more ability for Lamar to be Lamar and run what he wants to run. They just still need, I feel like they need like two more games still. And then it might be there if they can stay healthy. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of it is interesting because it it does seem like when he is scheming up pass plays. It is sort of that play action, suck them in and then hit either Andrews or Aguilar over the middle. It's been totally just feast with those guys and then famine elsewhere as far as the passing game goes. And then, I mean, what is the one touchdown that they score? It's an off schedule play. Lamar kind of slides to the left, evades the uh, rush and hits safe flowers coming back the other way. So there's room for improvisation, which is nice. And it's good to have like, and we, you know, we've praised them plenty for their approach to this off season. And I think it's very much warranted because They've been in these situations before where it's been kind of feast or famine with the offense, but they haven't had the talent to overcome when it's been famine uh, with certain guys, at least. And so to have a guy like Flowers, who not only is like super athletic and, you know, obviously very shifty and a good route runner and seems to know what he's doing out there more so than any rookie we've probably ever seen in Baltimore from the wide receiver position. It's good to not only have that guy, but also have a guy that seems to have chemistry with Lamar where when you do have that off schedule play, he knows to work back to the ball and he scores a touchdown on that. And I mean, to go from Boston college with whatever he was playing with at quarterback to this guy and being on the same page with him that quickly, uh, it's really impressive. So I think he like, we got to give flowers his flowers. He's really kind of helping keep them afloat in the passing game uh, with some of these uh, explosive plays that he's generating, but also being able to work back to the ball, work back to the ball, work underneath, fall forward, attack the first down marker. Multifaceted, too. They're getting him involved. They're doing the Duvernay thing with him, but they're not even just giving him the ball. They'll do that, and then they'll do the veer with Lamar going back the other way. I think they ran that at least once uh, this past game. They did. They did. They did. Um, creative usage there. And I think, and they're using the fast motion, the fast out motions that the Dolphins have instantly made everyone start using. McVay's using it. Janahan's using it. Everyone is is doing those, and Ravens are still, you know, it's it's not Tyreek Hill. Flowers fast as shit, but um, it's it's interesting to watch. And then it's just like even broader. What I wrote down too, it's it's kind of the same point. But like, let's think about Mike McDonald's defense last year. Mike McDonald, we we heard Patrick Queen. I got the interview opportunity to interview him, and he was like, "Now we know what all eleven players are doing." Wink had it, so you know your job. Just do your job. Now we know what all 11 guys are doing. I think that's what's still missing from the Ravens offense. Like they're starting to understand what they can do with Lamar, but that's what leads to like the spacing issues and the timing issues because of spacing. 
where do I have to go to stay out of this guy's lane a little more? It's a little more strict. And when you don't have that kind of philosophy offensively, you end up with the spacing that everyone wanted to talk about with roaming. There's all those option routes. It's too much freedom. So I think that's the one thing. It's like they need to sync up the way that Mike McDonald's defense did in terms of what is everyone else doing? The receivers need to know what the offensive line is doing. The running backs need to know. I think to play smart football, you have to understand every play as a whole. Drop back, number of steps as a receiver. How many steps is Lamar taking? If he's taking that many steps, when is when am I usually looking on certain routes? Things like that. Just more detail, more nuance. Things are figuring out on the fly. There is a lot of room for the, the, the off-schedule stuff, like you said. Um, the other thing that stuck out to me, too, they just can't punch. Like The Titans have a, a very physical defensive line. They're not like a crazy sack group. But we we said in the preview, they suffocate teams in the run game. The offensive line for the Ravens, just, it, it, it can't punch people in the mouth. Like It felt like they tried to line up a little bit and go do what we wanted them to do, and I'm glad they did, and I think it's why they won. Kick field goals, run Gus Edwards, kick field goals. You didn't need to go crazy to beat the Titans, and they didn't go crazy, and they beat the Titans. But it was just a little evident, like Ronnie Stanley even was getting shoved into the backfield on short yardage stuff. John Simpson really all of them at some point. Um, I would say maybe less Linderbaum, Zeitler, and Mosebos, kind of more that left side. Those guys still, I wasn't like, oh yeah, they're they're establishing the line of scrimmage. Gus Edwards has a hole to hit. Like they I think that's where they're lacking personnel-wise. In this offense, I don't think they have the horses to be able to dominate up front and run the ball down someone's throat. Could that be continuity and timing and the fact that the offensive line, the starting five guys they have have only played, what, two games together, I think now, uh, maybe three. But yeah, all those things, lack of practice, Ronnie Stanley's you know, missing time, all that stuff. So sure, that's the one thing I'm a little concerned about. But um, offensively, it's like I, I see where it's going. I think there's so much more room for creativity in terms of what we saw the Titans do, really, misdirection. And I guess to kind of segue to the defensive side of the ball, uh, the two plays that really grabbed my attention were Tajay Spears, the Titans sent, kind of like Zay Flowers. They sent him in fast motion to the right, and it was going to be a fast screen. And Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen switched, and Roquan took off towards Tajay Spears. Queen went to the middle, but it was just a double screen back the other way. And the Titans had a three-on-two blockers to uh, defenders. And Patrick Queen hauled his ass back, made a tackle in the red zone, got the Ravens off the field. The other one was that Derrick Henry fake end around. And we saw Roquan Smith and Kyle Hamilton. They didn't trust their guys on the other side to do their job. They both bit, took themselves out of the play. And I think Marcus Williams' play, Marcus Williams, is it's like making me sad. It makes me kind of emotional to think about. Like, I don't know. He made the highest effort play I think I've like seen in a long time. He clearly can't run right because he can't pump his arm he clearly can't use his arm or doesn't feel comfortable to and he just fucking ran up behind derrick henry and like a cheetah running down a gazelle like when is the perfect moment that i can time my only opportunity to make a tackle wounded with one arm and he did it and he perfectly took him out with one arm the one it was he did it was like in it was one of the craziest things i've ever seen knowing that it's derrick henry who is 250 faster than you are and you have one arm to tackle him in the open field. He launched his head and grabbed his heel with his good arm, his inside arm and brought him down. The Ravens end up getting off the field there. That was crazy. 
But at the same time, like the Ravens didn't do any of those things really to me. Any of that misdirection, flowing, flowing the defense one way. It was very, the word we love is stock. Felt pretty stock. Pretty straightforward. We asked them to be stock. They don't listen to us. Maybe they do. They don't listen to us. We asked them to do that, and they were. And now you're going to get a Lions team, which we'll get into in the preview for that one, but you're going to get a Lions team maybe you can't be so stock with. They're a little better. They're a little more efficient. They're a little more talented. So um, those things stood out to me. Uh, that was that was really you know the long and short of it. The, able to generate pressure. Sure, we, we talked all about a lot of it. But I just feel like the offense, uh, it just worries me if more guys go down. When you feel like, all right, we're almost there. We're we're starting to feel like we can work some kinks out, and then somebody goes down, and then you're plugging someone else in. The two guys I feel good about, though, when I was thinking about that, are the room I feel good about with that. Like, I don't hate Devin Duvernay, Laquan Treadwell having to come in if needed. Like, I think those guys can be serviceable. Then I was thinking about the running back room and was like, God, Justice Hill on third down is so bad in pass pro. I don't know why they keep asking him to. He should just run her out. He seriously should just run her out. He misses two, three times a game that Ruin plays on third down, and third down's money down. So I'm I'm getting pretty sick of that. Um, Keaton Mitchell, you know, we'll see what happens with him, but it's like maybe you want Melvin Gordon up, who's a little better in pass pro. I think he has a horrible PFF grade. I don't know why. I might I might be missing something, but I think he's I, I trust him way more in pass pro. I think he got like wrecked one play, but he still made the block. He just got blown up. Um, so I don't know. That's one minor thing. Him. The things that pissed me off in this game when I went back and watched Saber, Justice Hill on third down and Isaiah likely just isn't a force in the run game or as a blocker. There was, I think, a Justice Hill run where they just needed him to make a block in space to go get probably a 10-yard run in the red zone. And he just didn't get up on the defender enough and left too much space. It was a DB. The DB just shot around him and tackled Justice Hill. And I was like, oh, so close. So I don't know. Kohler doesn't look any better. I don't know. The backup tight ends are not great. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not loving having to use them right now. They don't get the football. They're not a force in the blocking. It just feels like they're kind of just jagged to the definition of just a guy right now. Okay. All right. You want to do some rapid fire segments before we get to the settlement? It looks like our Zoom uh, Let's do it. thing is uh, running short on us here. Let's do it. Let's do it. Smooth AF. What do you got? Smooth AF. I'm going to go Geno Stone. Just... Leading the NFL in interceptions, flipping the field. Ryan Tannehill getting beaten, beaten, broken, and damned. We see Geno Stone smoothly, suavely. Geno Stone is smooth. Yeah, he's got like cool hair a little bit too. He's got like a he's, he's got good suave. style. He's he's pretty suave. Yeah, he he is he is. I, I think Geno Stone smooth goes makes a huge pick, flips the field. That was really a a momentum killer for the Titans when it felt like they were. Starting to put something together a little bit. Uh, underthrown ball. Marlon Humphrey, I think, on the Punchline podcast, shout out to Jack, said that he bailed him out because he got beat. And Gino, the ball was underthrown. Gino just hawked it, um, making himself a lot of money. One of the three guys making themselves a lot of money. So that picked to me in that return. The return was so calm, too. Just easy. Just he decided not to run out of bounds, as Marlon said, too, which was nice. 
Right, right. So that was the the smooth AF play of the week to me. Mine was, uh, I got to go with the, and we got to keep it short here. We're eight minutes and counting. Uh, I'm going to go with the stout man, Jordan Stout, getting better and better with the uh, the punting. Uh, much improved over last year. And then obviously he had the uh, one right before half. Uh, he could have easily just boomed that thing out for a touchback, called it a half, but no, he decided to try and pin the guy. Uh, guy muffs the punt and uh, Ravens get out of there with a field goal. So really good situational football. Jordan Stout really impressing the smooth AF guy of the week. Uh, Johnny Cake, who do you got? Going to go with Matt Beeks, the big fella. I think that's probably where anybody in the world will go right now. Justin Matt looking like a force in the run game, consistently getting after the the quarterback and making plays, lining up all over the place, making plays all over the place. And I just like the energy he puts out. I like the, to quote Tony P in DC, it's like the positive masculinity. Like vibrant is, masculinity, yeah. Yeah, vibrant masculinity. He is just vibrantly gutturally screaming flexing like it's just there's no words about it he's just flexing every time he makes a play and he just feels like a a grown it's grown man strength football just a matter is playing super pumped with him and he's my johnny crab cake of the week yeah i'm gonna go with a similar one i'm gonna go with jadavian Clowney in a little uh revenge game there i think what do you have two sacks you know a bunch of these, these pressures are still continuing to rack up and uh looking like one of the more impressive bargain bin signings uh, of really all time for the Ravens, I think he's uh, he's really playing well, and uh, it's kind of turned into an Eric DaCosta staple to make this kind of move. But this is looking like one of the better ones of his tenure thus far. So Jadavian Clowney, uh, who you know we had not to toot our own horns here, but we had kind of trumpeted that for years that the Ravens should look into a guy like that, and it's working out for them pretty well. So uh, Eric, eat your heart out. Uh, what else we got segment wise? believe those are it, but that was the Smooth AF and the Johnny K- Crab Cake of the Week. Smooth AF brought to you by a Baltimore barber who wanted to use the best shaving cream on the gentleman he was shaving. So he decided to make his own. Go to smoothafproducts.com to check out their CBD lavender line of his and hers. No more. It's ours. They're ours. Grooming, shaving, cleaning products. They'll leave you feeling good smelling better and looking the best go check those out at smoothafproducts.com they're awesome i love them you can shave with them they moisturize you it's one stop shop reduce all that clutter so where would the ravens be without him right now where would you, where would they feel defensively with oa out with the jabo out van noy wasn't brought in and maybe van noy would have just simply been brought in if they couldn't get him but um Feels like a guy that has been absolutely a uh, linchpin. This is uh, this is Clowny you're talking about. Yeah, Clowny. You cut out pretty hard there, but okay. Yeah, no, absolutely. Okay, love it. Well, not sure why I'm cutting out when I plugged. Got a 30 foot Ethernet to run in here, but God hates me. So, with that, I think we can get out of here. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks to our other sponsors as well. Jimmy's Famous Seafood presenting as always Fed Thrill Sunglasses, promo code exit 52 for 20% off there. And then uh, promo code exit 52 at blackeyedsusanspices.com for all your hot sauce needs. That'll get you 10% off. So thank you as always to all you guys as well. Uh, and yeah, we'll throw it over to settle up with the settlement. We'll talk to you guys very soon. See ya. Arrivederci. All right, it is time to settle up with the Settle Man. We missed him last week. The Orioles were playing some playoff baseball. We've men in black out of that our, that out of our memory. That didn't even happen. We don't even know what you're talking about. Jack, it's been a little little bit of time. How you been, my friend? 
been all good all good you know since we've talked it's been fun like recording the punchline podcast because marlin i don't know if you guys saw we also met in blacked uh the the play that may or may not have occurred but the the next day we're recording and you know i'm only his counterpart so his dms and his his replies and his comment section they were the wildest thing I've ever seen. And then it obviously carries over to the podcast. It's like, bro, focus on football, focus. On... And now I know tomorrow's episode coming off a win, people are going to be all hyped up about. They're so excited to hear from him, hear the best London story. So the life of an athlete, it's not for the week. I can understand people deleting their socials. But on the other hand, probably shouldn't let it get to you either. Shout out to the white dude. <laughs> the white fella, let's go. Yeah, that was elite recognition. Even if it came as a slight to Marlon, I'll take that all day. A good lad, uh, Odell said. So that was that was big time. It seemed a little, yeah, it seemed a little kind of standoffish. I think maybe a little performative from Odell there because you did you did come on here and break the news that he was the one trying to link up with Marlon more than uh, any of us would have thought. So, facts, <laughs> yeah, they have a good relationship. It seems. Um, so yeah i'm excited for for tomorrow i'm really excited for sunday i was loving spencer's tweets about home field advantage because i've been going to ravens games since i can literally remember maybe since i was like five or six years old and yeah that home field advantage and i'm talking like there's not even excuses because we used to literally go inside and like get food, go to the bathroom when the offense was on the field. Like that's how bad the offense was. You would just watch defense. And so now you have Lamar Jackson and people like still, they're not cheering. They, they, we were booing in the second quarter against Houston and it's become a little bit of a spoiled fan base somehow. I don't know what's going on, but the home field advantage from the early John years seems to be gone, which makes me sad. So I'm hoping we kind of, show out on Sunday. Spenny, I know you got takes on that. It definitely like it has to have something to do with the fact that they've just been so bad at home. But I, I know yeah. that you, you obviously you want to get into that. So how about you? Uh, you, you dive in. I've been going. I've been fortunate enough. My my single mother who's a nurse got she actually got my oldest or my youngest older brother. I have three older brothers. Instead, she said, I can either pay you to babysit Spencer when she had to work or I will get you Raven season home tickets in 1996. He chose Raven season home tickets. So she would take him from 96 through him going off to college around 2000-ish. He would he'd be in and out, whatever. We would all shuffle. Different brothers would go. I would go sometimes. I've been able to go for a long time. We would buy extra seats, all kinds of things. And Jack, you're exactly right. It's like, oh, the Ray Lewis years, the Ray Lewis years. That included the Matt Cavanaugh years. That included the Kyle Bowler years. And it was still Electric Factory. I think that society has changed since then. Like, there used to be a lot of fights. We talked about this already. There used to be a lot of fights. Like It used to be rowdy. It used to be a little more rowdy. I think that it's probably happening league-wide, what we're getting into, a little more so than just the Ravens. But to me, and there was someone on Twitter, Skip Jack, who's, who's followed Jake, you and I, I think, for a long time. Um, Skipjack brought up a good point. The Ravens have marketed the PSL experience very heavily and not really tried to buy into anything else or, or get buy-in on anything else. I think that discouraged a lot of 20-somethings as they maybe got married and started families like 15 years ago. It's always been really expensive. It's been a really good product for a lot of years. 
it got to a point, you know, there's a lot of things, a lot of different directions to go. I think the PSL has something to do with it. I think that the London kneeling in what was that 2017 soured a lot of those PSL owners who have started to number one, age out and number two, lose interest. Hashtag not my NFL. Hashtag not my team kneeling in London, like those kinds I thought of they people. live in Canada now. I thought I thought they live in yeah, Canada. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I don't know. And it hey, my experience isn't everyone's experience, but I know both of you, Jake and Jack, will agree. My demographic, our demographic, under 35, don't have kids, male, predominantly males go to games. You know, it's not that crazy heavy, but it's more males. All my friends always say the same thing. It's not what it used to be. It's not what it used to be. Hey, we're not little kids anymore. So maybe it's just not as exciting. Sure. I just get, and I've been to Miami, Jack, you've obviously been all over it. So I'm curious to pass it to you in a second, but I just get this pissy tone at Ravens games. It feels like there's this really older demographic that is probably the largest demographic of those that attend games. They don't like standing. They don't like yelling. They don't like clapping. They don't like excitement. They don't like noise. I don't think they even like football. I think they <laughs> they basically just bitch the entire game. Like the entire game, it's hardball, freaking Lamar, freaking running, whatever, blah, blah, blah. There's just this really negative tone. And there's this condescending tone to it that I feel a lot of times. I sat in the 500 level, the seats I was talking about, recently made a switch down to the lower bowl. So I've been up in the top. We hated it up in our section, so we went down to the lower. Been kind of the same experience, more or less. There's less season ticket holders down there, I'd say, so it's you know a little more of a mixed bag. But I just think it hasn't been very fun or positive or enthusiastic, and I think it predates uh, losing games recently at home and, and the games we can get all that stuff. I just think, I don't know, and I, I do want to get both of your opinions, obviously, and you, Jack, you've been to so many places. You go to primetime games, so that might be – Primetime games at the bank are always still fun. Is it quite what it used to be? No, but it's still pretty electric. Well, I would first want to shout something that can only occur on this podcast, which is Maryland brain. You said the Ravens have Matt Cavanaugh at quarterback, which literally could only happen when you do a a Maryland uh, based podcast. I just thought that was cool. So um, I think you meant Matt Castle potentially. No, No, Matt Matt Cavanaugh, offensive coordinator. Who was oh, dreadful? I thought we like were if people about think that, that if, if younger player. listeners think yeah. that Greg Roman was hated, Matt Cavanaugh was hated by women yeah, and children. And, when that and uh, Cameron, when that I mean, lax when that lax player came along, I always thought it was funny because like everyone would have positive associations with him, and it's like, well, you think back to the uh, the Cavanaugh offensive coordinator days, it's a little bit different. But I think the spelling actually might be different between the two. So. Yeah, that's that's wild. Uh, anyways, uh, the answer to to everything you're saying is that. It is, it's a lot of the Ravens. Like we went to Kansas City. Now they've had a ton of success, but they stand the entire game. And we'll be in uh, New Orleans on Thursday. That stadium, same thing. The and energy. And not a is team 100. that's had a lot of success because I want to say, like, oh, Philly and Kansas City are probably two of the best fan experiences yes. right now. But the Saints, and sure, New Orleans is different, whatever, but the Saints have not been good and they are no. crazy. Now, I will say, and I think I was going to respond to your tweet, but I saved it for this. I think I was trying to decide, is it chicken or the egg? Is it, you know, you make a point about the PSLs. I got a text randomly from a Raven season ticket seller, whatever it was, trying to sell me on PSL. And it was a text. So I was like, all right, I'll respond. And I was shocked at how cheap they were. Growing up, I thought I would never be able to even afford Ravens tickets because I thought it was like a hundred grand just to get a PSL and then you got to get the tickets, right? So I think because they haven't marketed it well, you're probably not getting our generation, which 
if you're 26, 29, whatever it might be, living in Baltimore, you can afford to go to Ravens games now, 100%. At least, I, you know, I, from what the price is. If, you if you're single, you don't have kids, you're in that yeah, yeah. late 20s, early 30s, it's you not follow Spencer's expensive. parlays. Like, you, you, can, you can afford to, uh, to get in. But I will say, in the chicken or the egg, I was trying to decide, are the Ravens fans crappy and then the Ravens aren't, really having great home field anymore or are they you know are the players not playing and then the home field doesn't come and then you mentioned still at the bank though those games are electric but if you actually think about all the primetime games at m&t we've had i mean it was if off the top of my head it's tucker walk off against cincy which wasn't even that good of a game but colt's comeback lamar's crazy performance the away strip against the chiefs so like when you actually look at it those are the big wins that have happened i can't blame ravens fans like the houston game was objectively miserable the the colts game was objectively miserable and the last thing in this whole equation is a lot of these losses like the big pop moments that's how i like to describe when fan bases really get going are when you make the big play how many backbreaking drives have we seen like uh, over the last few years? And Devontae that- Adams, Packers, Odell Beckham, Rams, Najee Harris last year on the Steelers, Dolphins Josh Allen on the Bills, like, Jalen Waddle over Jalen Armour Davis. I, those are five off the top of my head since the and start. And that's in the last year. I mean, this, this, the one that sticks out the most to me when this whole trend started, and this was years and years ago, was when I think it was AB scored at the goal line on that random Sunday afternoon game. But even like Tucker misses the extra point against the Saints. Like it really, outside of prime time, the one o'clocks or even the four o'clocks, there, there hasn't even been those moments where the Ravens have come through. So I feel like people, they, they get loud. When, when you're trying to end the game, the Ravens fans do get into it, but I feel like they've had their hearts broken so many times recently that they're just like, what am I even doing now? And now it, it is snowballed into people just being miserable. And then you throw in, it's a lot of people who think they know about football. So they're booing when Todd Munkin's third career drive with the Ravens hasn't resulted in a touchdown. You know, it, it is now snowballed into this collective mindset. But it, it's real. Like if you're going to, I saw someone reply that, you know, his experience and I'm like, Tell me your section. I want to come hang out with exactly. you. Exactly. It's not like I don't want it to be fun there, right. but it genuinely has not. Now, I say all this to make it seem like Sunday. You could flip it. You could 100% dominate this hot Lions team, which there will be a lot of Lions fans in the stands, and you could start a new trend. But even Marlon told me when Lamar threw that pick, they were sitting on the sideline like, is this actually going to fucking happen again? Like if the players are thinking it and the fans are thinking it and the coaching staff's thinking it, like who who's to blame? Thankfully they held on to that game, but Sunday is huge for for the future of the Ravens. Yeah, I think the uh, the age disparity you mentioned there, Spenny, is interesting. I do like kind of notice that there is, it's, it feels like it's literally only people in our demographic and a little bit older, and then only uh, the the almost deads, as Roman Roy would say. Uh, so it's just like that. That is a weird dynamic where it's like, where are the people like in their forties, like taking their kids' games? Like that's what our, like my dad would do that for me. Like he would take me to. Are they just passing tickets down? Like is that what we think is happening? It probably They've is. Had the tickets forever. Corporate corporate packages, the yeah. secondary market. It's very. 
it's, it's very corporatized. Yeah, you mentioned all the stub hubs and all that kind of stuff. And like, yeah, the PSLs, it's kind of like it's kind of like royalty a little bit. You can just pass it down, can't you? So I'm pretty sure that that's like that's how that would work. So so for the for the record, as someone that recently went through this, like transitioning, it is affordable. And I think that the olds are selling them in mass right now. I sold the ones that my mom had originally purchased for thirty two hundred dollars in the five hundreds and bought one in section 134 corner end zone ninth row for $1,500. I profited $1,700 and paid for an entire season of season tickets with selling up to go down. So that I would also say like, I don't get the PSL thing. I really don't. You can just buy a season ticket package. You still pay for the tickets. You don't get to get discounted tickets any year. You can buy Season tickets. And the really the only thing I can think of that are advantages, number one, if you have a section that you love and you're like, this is a good view, I like it, I like the people that are in it, I want to stay there. It becomes familiar, it's routine. Number two, you get like first dibs at Beyonce when she comes to town, which, you know, that's fine, but I don't think that's what you have you to get your name on. You don't get a disc, you don't, you can, you get the face value of the opening, but it, yeah, you still have to pay for all. You of get it. your name on the plaque near, I think it's near A, right? Where, uh, yeah, 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 that's, which was one of the more absurd things. I think my uncle like almost cried when he, uh, he had that happen. So I up. love this discourse. My, oh yeah, my mom talks about it all the time, original, original PSL, and she loves that plaque. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I'll say too, we've talked about it on here a shitload. It just keeps raining is another factor and raining and raining and raining on Sundays and fall in Baltimore. And that honestly might be low key, like the second or third factor over the last two or three years. It has rained like 12 of their last 20, 30, 25, 30 home games. I swear. What's the forecast for Sunday? It looks like it's probably rain, partly cloudy, (laughs) partly cloudy. Early cloudy with yeah. the chance of rain, I'm sure. It doesn't yeah, I'm I not mean, seeing anything on my Apple app, but it, it has been wrong before. 6349 wind and no rain. Someone said also in your replies, they were like, Yeah, we couldn't even pack the bank for that New Year's game against Cincy where we got knocked out of the playoffs. I had friends who went. They I said was it was the coldest, most miserable. It was game in the it was single, time. single digit degree. It was I left it yeah. in the third quarter. I know that that game, I was living in a, on another block and I had an older house and the pipes in Fed Hill right next to the stadium, the pipes in like half of the houses in Fed Hill burst because it was so cold and the water froze in them and, and locked them all up. So that was frigid. My mom and my brother went to that. It was New Year's. I had a celebration for that and, and didn't miss that. But they were like, we brought blankets and snowsuits and stuff and our legs were still like cold to the bone. So yeah. that one was... And, and then again, like the... I even was, I got into a deep train of thought. It was like the Ravens really probably couldn't let Lamar Jackson go. Like they would go that into That was my a- argument. That was straight up my argument during free agency. I said, we are at a point in time, 2023, where the player is so much bigger than the team that if Lamar Jackson walks for the first time in my life, it's not that I wouldn't be a Ravens fan anymore, but I'm going to follow Lamar Jackson and watch his team's games probably just as frequently as I was going to watch Ravens games. And I think never in the history of football specifically, because they always talk about not for long, the team's bigger than you. They'll be there before and after you with Lamar. I don't know. Like I genuinely, there are a lot of, there are a lot of Louisville, Kentucky fans that purchase jerseys and come to games and all that stuff. He definitely has a big following. Yeah. Which 
makes the whole London comment that he didn't know people would know him over there even more hysterical. He's just like, he's still like, he's got the money, he's got everything now, he's still literally just the same exact kid that he was, you know, six years ago when he came here. It's hilarious. Yeah, he's a He's a normal human being. It's but if hard. if he would have left, I mean, thinking about the product, the the post back and ACL, Joe Flacco, they weren't dominant defensively. They had a middling offense. We're scraping together eight nine wins. Like that was. Could you imagine? That was really miserable. Can you imagine Derek Carr starting games for this team right now? That's what it was going to be. That was literally said, the best I'm not, option. I'm not was, watching the Ravens. Was, I'm not watching the Ravens with Derek Carr. I don't. I don't. I do not care. I'm. Like, I did not care. It's crazy. So, thankfully, he's still there. Well, what a perfect segue into, and we do need to go, we need to backtrack, get to get your take on the experience you had the last couple of weeks. We weren't able to talk, but what a perfect segue. Thursday night football. You're going to be traveling down to New Orleans and going to go see Mr. Derek Carr. I think put up a little 350 burger. Saints are <laughs> such, such a weird team over the years, man. That's exactly the point. And it is going to be lit there. It always is. Prime time's a little different. But they're going to be hosting the old Jaguars on Thursday. One and a half point favorites for the Saints. Over under right now. The total's 39 and a half. That sounds like a that sounds like 2016 Thursday night football, like mud. Yeah. I mean, you've got I think unders went 12, two and one this past weekend. So there's a little recency bias and every prime time, I think in the history of football since betting got legalized has gone under. So I think they just start with these low totals. Um, I, I'm going to be on the saints on Thursday with or without Trevor Lawrence. So the line shot to three and a half for the saints as favorites. And now I saw it's back down to one and a half because he participated in individual drills, but I wish that I hope they announced Lawrence playing. I'm going to be all over the Saints. It's such a good spot for them because why would you ever bet the Saints? It's like Derek Carr's disgusting. Um, unless you get absolutely wasted, it's like hooking up with your ex girlfriend who's a four out of ten. It's like ew, wow. who would want to do that? But it's just such a good spot. Short week. Lawrence is banged up. The Saints are actually. I think they're good. But like they don't want to be good because Derek Carr is their quarterback. I'm super high on on Trevor Lawrence, but like this is just the most cliche spot. You bet the Jags as an underdog, like you're never winning that bet. I, th- I think the Saints are six and zero on unders. I think they've gone under in all six games so far this year. Yeah, their defense is good. I feel like league, Dennis Allen's defenses are always good. I feel like league wide yeah. and in primetime too. I think primetime it's been unders in like 15 of the last 20 primetime games, just straight up. It's the under has been hitting. Great. So all over that Derek Carr, two thirty nine and a half passing yards. That's plus one Oh five thoughts on that. Cause I'm thinking maybe he airs it out in this one. You got to start getting Olave in the mix. Like, yeah, that that's honestly been the most disappointing part of the season is because like Carr sustained Devontae Adams, right? Like Adams was great for the Raiders last year. Um, so why hasn't he been able to get Olave, who I thought was going to be the breakout player of the year? I thought he was going to be a wide receiver one in fantasy. Um, not only has he not been a wide receiver one, he's been like almost unstartable. They're not even throwing the ball. It's kind of bizarre. He has been unstartable. He's been okay. It's it's, like, it's like this is one of his yards. guys. So yeah, he's spending a big Olave guy. But he, uh, he uh, I think no, he had a hundred and to your point, he had 110, I think, unrealized air yards, which led the NFL this past week. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, what did he, to- what did he finish the game with last week? Do you know off the top of your head? Because if you throw 50 times for 350 yards, he finished with wife, seven for 96. 
Okay. All right. So I guess in garbage. In two clunkers to... against the Bucks and Patriots, they just blew the Patriots out so incredibly thoroughly. Yeah, that's that true. they didn't really and touch he, him. I didn't see it. much of the Bucks game. I think he got hurt in the Bucks game. He got hurt in the warm up for the for the Patriots game. I think he might have scored though, but that was it. He did have uh, a touchdown. Two for twelve and a touchdown. One for four against the Bucks. The Bucks and the Saints just are a fantasy nightmare every time they play. Yeah. Anyways. 240. I'm I'm gonna play the game script. I would go under on that one. I think they'll play a more balanced game. The total's only 40, so betting on Derek Carr to throw for 250 yards after he threw the ball 50 times. And also, is he he's like probably still a little bit hurt? So I don't know if they want to air it out that much. How is the Jags pass defense? Uh the Jags pass defense. I just had it up a split second ago. I believe that they have been able to generate a solid pass rush, and I'm trying to exclude garbage time super quickly. They are... The Saints are fifth in EPA per play allowed. The Jags are... Sheesh, where are they? The Jags are ninth in dropback EPA allowed. The Jaguars are 10th in dropback success rate allowed the jaguars are 11 so they have a pretty solid pass defense in terms of efficiency yeah. and advanced metrics yeah i i think it's more so could Derek Carr throw for 240 passing yards of course they have like really good weapons could kamara take one deep sure but like if on friday morning i asked you did you bet the over under and Derek Carr threw for like 180 how would you feel you know and that's that's pretty much how you need to evaluate this one so Suffer with the Saints and uh, suffer with some Derek Carr unders. But most of the stuff I saw wasn't even posted because of Lawrence's question, uh, whether he's going to play or not, which makes it a little tough. But we'll be on the Saints. The Saints will go marching in. I'm excited. The Jaguars defense, I'm realizing here, rushing EPA and success rate, both top three. They're a top not top 10 defense right now. Their pass so. rush is getting better, too. Josh Allen looking really good. Allen looks like a menace contract year baby contract year okay what's the what's the plan when you get down there you hitting up any restaurants doing bourbon street so when was the last time you were down there for for a gamer in general well actually last year when we did every monday night it was the ravens game so that was the one time i got to see the raven which was great i mean going back i was lucky enough to go to the super bowl the year that we we won it um so it was like a little nostalgic but it was the only time that i couldn't really like it was an awesome crowd and I was bummed because I love being part of the crowd and in the energy. So I'm excited tomorrow or Thursday to go and like finally embrace the, the Superdome and their craziness. But uh, I don't know how hard we'll hit Bourbon Street. We'll have to see. We got a, we got a long season ahead of us. Um, you don't want to get lost on Bourbon Street in, uh, in week seven. You know what they say? Don't let one loss beat you. Um, and one night on Bourbon Street can definitely ruin a season. So I think just grab some good food while we're down there. We are going a day early um, just because that's how flights worked out. But well, there you go. That's the fine move. Go the, go the first night and then uh, go to the game and kind of take it easy. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, um, what do we do? Last week we did a little investigation. We were asking people if the Taylor Swift effect was real in Kansas City. I mean, I had no interest in going to Kansas City. That's like the first one all season that I was like, 
do we really have to go see Russell Wilson play? We we're just in Kansas City twice in a couple Kansas months. Kansas City but- is a city is like a it's just a town and the barbecue is like all right and there's yeah, it's like it's an old they have, a, they have a power plant like little yeah, deal it's, there. It's an old cat town. Was cool. It's yeah, food, yeah. good food, what good baseball, you know. What was the week? Kansas before? City. Was that so was that we- Packers? It was Bears. I thought it was Bears uh Commanders. Bears Commanders. Yeah, shout out to the Commanders, actually. Some little DMV love. Um, the Things are looking... Now, they got smoked by the Bears, so that's like no love on the football field. But you can see FedEx kind of coming together, like not being the biggest joke in the NFL. There's a culture change there. The food was shockingly good. The food, um, they, so- have, they have the best. They actually have PSL deals. You can get food for like... 2003 prices. I don't know if you remember looking at food, but it's like the gold prices there. Oh, like you can go to the Johnny like Rockets. Smart. You can get like burgers and fries from a Johnny Rockets, which is like a good fast food place yeah. for like four to four fifty or something. If you have a PSL, I did that. So in the that preseason PSL actually. helps. Yeah, I did that in the preseason with a a, piece, a PSL owner there. It was. Uh, I it was, was good. gonna say that is the one thing about Ravens games that is still expensive. Is like, and that that's just most sports in general. It's no longer just the ticket price. It's the entire, it's parking pl- or Uber plus food, drink. Like well, The good thing about the food and drinks is that the lines move really quickly, especially if you're in the upper level. My God, it's like you just get in and get out. It's lightning fast. So you don't even have to miss a half a quarter or anything. It's, it's, it's like, it's like you didn't even a fucking ship there. You, know? <laughs> you miss a whole half. It's brutal. It really is brutal. It's a mega tough. Honestly, I, I will say out of all the stadiums we've been to, I actually think the Ravens probably are the slowest out of the entire. And this is, I was like, what I'm referring to when we went uh, for week one, I was in club section and that was, it was like 45 minutes to get a, a sandwich. I'm like, what is happening right now? Yeah. I don't know if they're, they're understocked or like understaffed or whatever, both, but it's, it's, it's tough, man. It's tough. Somebody's got a whip. So we need we need to speak with the manager. We need to speak with the stadium experience. I'm gonna manager get it. Actually, you've got, the, you've got the better flow right now. I'm gonna have you get a Karen haircut. We're gonna st- we're gonna march <laughs> on the stadium. We're gonna make a video out of it. I'll get the I'll get the little back angle down my ears and yeah. and we'll get in there and and we'll carry it up. All right, Jack. What else? What else is going on? What else is going on in uh in your land? And anything else you want to plug? Anything else you want to talk about? No, that's pretty much it. We do have some some really funny London stories, um, some that I know Jake will will absolutely love. That that I only get excited to record the podcast so that he can get excited to listen to it. So my favorite part um, of the week. Punchline coming out on Wednesday. We're working on some guests. Uh, I think we're gonna get Roquan after Marlon finally broke Roquan on the IG live, which was hysterical um and then yeah you couldn't he couldn't not get to him because of the outfit and he was trying to avoid looking at him i feel like because when you look up and you see him wearing the full peaky blinder with the little whatever i don't even know what it's like an untied but i don't know like a three-piece yeah it was almost like he had an untied bow tie like it's that little dot bow tie thing that has like the ears on it i can't i don't even know what it's called um that you if you look at him you're done in that situation there's just nothing you can do toast toast and i'm excited for sunday hopefully link with you guys but also if there's anyone besides maybe ray lois that can bring energy back to the bank it is definitely 
Terrell Suggs. So honoring Sizzle will be a ton of fun. I feel like they haven't really like shared much on that or talked much about it. I'm sure they will as the week progresses. It felt like he got very, uh, it came together very quickly. He suddenly did the retirement and said, yeah. you know, things didn't go how I wanted. I had some personal stuff that like felt yeah. like it was like, pop, pop, pop. Okay. He's ready to do it. Okay. We'll do it. Yeah. yeah Cause they usually do like a press conference to like in the off season and they, yeah, they make a whole like preview out of it, but yeah, not this time. He's doing uh, something with Rick Ritter though for WJZ. So everyone should, go check that out we love uh rick on here awesome all right well appreciate you fellas see you guys in be more execute the system and that's what it's all about yes there sir trust big, big trust. trust big, big trust, trust hey yes sir <laughs> right on cue hey right on cue hey I, let me